0: Hello and welcome to episode 59 of the Highland Bridge Builders podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Fagala. and today we have something very different. I don't know how well this will work as a podcast, but we are going to try it. Uh, we are combining our class, the Bridge Builders class, which is a young adults class, with the Hope class, which is a baby boomers class, and so people maybe more in their 60s and 70s. The two leaders of that class are Alan Black and Jay Shapley, and they've been kind enough to agree to meet together for three weeks uh, and we'll be doing a lesson series on generational Christianity something that I think is lost on the church now that things are so segmented and siloed Um, and so today actually David Flatt and Eric Gentry will be talking on how the, uh, the younger can learn from the older or you could say how the older can teach the younger in a church There will be some discussion. That's why I'm afraid it may not work great as a podcast. But we'll definitely get some of the sentiments and some of the uh, the the part of the lecture uh, into this podcast because I think it's something that's very important, and also because Will Woodruff requested it. So here you go, Will. Uh, But without further ado, let's head over to David and Eric as they get started with their lesson this morning. All
1: right. Well, good morning. Wow, they got lights and microphone. This is different. So listen, we're so thankful that you're here. I guess I. Kind of echo what Jay said to the Bridge Builders class to the Hope class. We really appreciate you guys interrupting your schedule, coming to a different room, sitting in this weird chair configuration. I hope this works. We'll see. The idea is we're going to try to get some discussion together. Um, so to kind of piggyback off of what Kyle said, I think one obviously there's great things about being at a church this size that so many people want to come together on a Sunday morning and, and worship God and got resources that we can send missionaries all over the world to share the gospel and um, uh, alleviate suffering in our city in so many really neat ways. But one of the things we sometimes miss is you know we, we got 60 people in our class on a Sunday morning. We got enough trying to interact and just with people our age. And I think you, we miss really the benefit of kind of sharing life together across generations. And the truth is that idea of intergenerational living, intergenerational community has been a part of God's people since the very beginning. So if you think about maybe if you want to understand the Bible really as a whole, one of the key verses you've got to understand is back from Deuteronomy 6. I'm just going to read it and then I'll make a few uh, brief comments about it. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them when you're home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand. Fix them as an emblem on your forehead. And write them on the doorsteps of your house and on your gates. So I just want to emphasize this phrase here, recite them to your children and talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise. So from the very beginning, the idea of God's people and the story of God's people and how he's called us to live has assumed that there would be people of one generation teaching the stories, teaching the ways, teaching life to people of of a younger generation. And those generations would interplay and build off and grow from each other. So our hope in the next three weeks is really not that we'll say some smart thing from up here and teach some great revelation, but that we'll have time to spend together and maybe you'll find a face that you recognize and form a relationship with. Maybe some people will get together for dinner or lunch and maybe we'll find some mentor relationships in this room because we want to share life together the way that it looks at least the scripture to me that God had always envisioned his people to share life together.
2: Yep. So uh, I came across this, this term not long ago. So what David said, and yeah, we're often guilty of genealogical boredom, which is kind of a hard word to say, genealogical boredom. I, I saw that and I thought, man, that's right. And, and the point the guy was making was, as you read your Bible, if you've ever read your Bible through in any a year, anybody ever done that? What you'll find is there are a bunch of genealogies everywhere throughout the Bible. And what do we tend to do when we get to the genealogy? We skip it, right? Or we kinda like glaze over it real fast to get to get on to something else, right? And I, you know, I think that probably speaks to a degree of maybe our attitudes towards the generations or generational differences to today. Because those genealogies and and, and we don't part of it is we don't read our Bible like they used to read and so they knew all those people, knew their stories, but they really do speak to what David's describing, this dynamic interplay between the generations. It's not just that Abraham has Isaac and then disappears. It's that they have this ongoing interaction with each other. Their lives are marked by each other's lives. Same with Isaac and Jacob and Jacob and Joseph. And, as, and, and then you've also got women in the genealogies as well. And so, and then I also think about even God introduces himself to Moses. Do you remember what he says? He says, I'm the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, which is, you know, God introducing himself by genealogy. Said Moses, and so I think you know what we what we long for in this class, what we long for at this church, is that our, our our church would be marked by the same kind of genealogical identity that even God Himself is, and certainly that His His people are. <coughs> Dave.
1: Okay, so um, in this community, the community that God describes His people in the Bible. Um, from the, the Old Testament all the way through the New Testament, there's this interplay that Eric talked about. The older are teaching the younger, and the younger are teaching the older. And so you have this kind of uh, this neat dance that goes back and forth across generations. And so today, we're going to talk about the older teaching the younger. So we're going to ask and, and show examples in the Bible about how... The younger generation can gain wisdom and live a, a wiser, more godly life from being in a relationship with people who are of an older generation. Next week, uh, Jay and Alan will do the reverse. They'll talk about why it's important for people in an older generation to be in a relationship and share life and dynamism with people in a younger generation. And all of this kind of comes together um, in uh, Psalms 145 verse 4. So this idea, of one generation commends your works to another, they tell of your mighty acts. So we want to be in a church like that, where one generation is telling about the great things that God has done to the next generation, and the younger generation is telling about the exciting and awesome things God's doing in their generation to an older generation, and we're making each other stronger and sharper. So it's so easy to kind of have you hear, I mean, this is not like a, a news flash, but you hear these stories about arguing about the song choices in service or the young people just aren't like they used to be or oh those old people they don't get it anymore and i just like i don't want to be part of any of that right i think that we have so much to gain from people who are in different generations from us and i hope vice versa and so i hope maybe this three weeks can be a start of creating relationships that can make this church a more biblical church a church that looks like the people in the bible
2: where where faith was shared across generations Hey, we're heading towards some group discussion here in a second so if you're if you're on the fringes and you want to join a group i invite you to, to come on up if you don't want to join a group and you're on the fringes i'd tell you to come on up anyway so we got some room down here we could close off this group we could create another group somewhere so you need to be around somebody you can you can talk with let me to prop the next conversation we're going to have let me remind you of lois eunice and paul This is. Second Timothy, Paul's writing to Timothy, who's a young minister. And in, in reality, you know, I kind of resonate with Timothy, but I'm probably much older than Timothy was. It's like that, that moment you've been watching college football your whole life, and suddenly you realize, like, these are babies playing college football. So that's, it's kind of like that with Timothy. But he says this to Timothy, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois, in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason I'm reminding you, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of hands. What he's describing here is the way that sincere faith is a gift of God. So you see those sincere faith, gift of God, given through generations, Lois, Eunice, and then Timothy. And so in some places we've got these, these older members of our family, our church family, who bless us with that sincere faith. We kind of absorb it from them and then in addition we've got those pauls who would also be an older brother in this case older brother or sister who we not only absorb the faith from but who actually commission us in the faith the laying on of my hands so somebody who actually blesses you to live into your potential in christ david do you have a story of anybody like that in your life
1: yeah, so I'd have almost too many stories to mention. Obviously, my, my parents are here. My grandparents grew up in the church. And so I wouldn't be here this Sunday morning if, if I hadn't been brought to church and taught to, to love uh, the Lord from an early age. As I think about an example of somebody who made an influence on me that you might not expect because we had generational differences. Uh, they had a Bible professor named Neil Pryor who had to have been, you know, 65 years older than me. And I remember sitting in his office, and he would share with me truths truth from the Bible and challenge me to live differently and live uniquely. And um, it made a difference because he didn't feel like we couldn't be friends just because we were different ages. And so he would invite me to his office. We had a cup of coffee together. And um, I guess maybe five years after, um, I graduated. I was I had just finished uh, school after graduation, actually, and he passed away. And uh, just to show like what kind of impact that that kind of relationship can have, I took a couple of days off work, drove back to Cerchi because I wanted to be there at his funeral. And his family didn't know who I was or whatever. But he made a difference in
2: my life, uh, even though we're you know so different in ages that's a great example I, I i've talked before about preaching at cottonwood church of christ before coming here We're, we had 12 on a good sunday and uh, kyle was talking about kyle the blessings of potlucks in the small church and <clears throat> i, I want to say that potlucks are not always a blessing you know you don't always know what you're getting but yvonne peavy who was the senior member at cottonwood church and in my time there increasingly she she got alzheimer's and so it got increasing progressed increasingly as i was there But she owned the one Subway in the town next to Cottonwood. And so she would take us after church, Lindsay and I, and buy us lunch at Subway. And so I'll I'll never forget that. Yvonne was really important to me because in that time I was trying to discern my calling to ministry. So I had like professors and stuff who were speaking into that. But Yvonne was the the representative of the church who was laying her hands on me and saying, You can do this. I believe in you. Those people are really important. So here's what I want you to talk about in your group. You might introduce yourself. Take five or six minutes, so don't take the whole time. Let other people talk. So, who are those people? Oh man, we're just missing slides. Sorry. There you go. Uh, who are those people who helped form your faith? Not only as a child, but also say by the mic. But also as a young adult, young married, or young parent. And specifically, think about those, not just your parents. But who are those that really formed you as a young married, young parent, young adult? What did their sincere faith look like? Is that reflected in your life? In some way, if so, how? Did anybody ever commission you to live into your potential in Christ? What did they say or do to challenge you? All those questions are kind of wrapped up. You don't have to go down the list and answer them. Just think about who those persons or person might be. Share who you are with your group and then uh, share a word about that person. All right? Go. How long will we have? Maybe like, uh, we're running low on time. Let's shoot for like, four or five minutes. All right, that's great. I appreciate everybody sharing so much. We didn't know that
1: it would go that well, so we, I'm tempted to just kind of let everybody keep sharing. But let's share a few thoughts, and then we'll have another discussion question. And you guys can answer this next discussion question in group, or if you want to keep talking about whatever you're talking about, uh, when it comes back, that's that's fine too. So I want to talk a little bit about this idea of the older will teach the younger, and what some barriers for that might be. So I think the first thing, um, let's just kind of talk to the bridge builders. Uh, for a second. I think that there's a temptation of not having a spirit that's willing to learn from somebody who is not in our same stage of life. So there's a tendency to kind of look at at people older than us and think they must not know anything. So you think about this phrase. This didn't start with our generation. So 1964 Jack Weinberg, this uh, University of California, Berkeley uh, activist, he coined the phrase don't trust anyone over 30. And that seemed like a really cool thing to, to, to say at the time. I actually looked him up kind of thinking about this. And of course now he is over 30, right? And so he's kind of changed his opinion on who you should trust uh, based on how old they are. And I, I think that's interesting and an important lesson for us. I think you can be so zero-minded in on where you are in life and forget the fact that Man, so I'm 33. There's a lot of people in this room who have been 33 and 34 before, and I never have been. So there's a lot we can learn from people who have gone through the very things that we're going through. We're going to kind of hit on that a little bit later, marriage and parenting and um, even grandparenting and just thinking through what what it means to live life, and why would you not rely on on wisdom of people older than us? So Hannah Arendt, who's a, a British philosopher, she said, Every generation, civilization is invaded by barbarians. We call them children. <laughs> and there's a little bit of truth to that, right? So my kids are wonderful. I love them. They don't know anything about anything, right? They, they're learning everything for the first time. Right, my grandma over here is saying, that's not true. But it is true. They don't know anything about anything. So we're, we're trying to teach them and educate them. And so that's true in every stage of life. There's so much you can learn from people who have lived through what you're trying to process and live through yourself. So C.S. Lewis talked about this idea of chronological snobbery. And it's this idea that we think that anyone from a different age or different generation from us uh, did things inferiorly. So since we have more technology today, then people in the 15th century were dumb. And that, of course, is ridiculous. People in the 15th and 16th century knew a lot about a lot and have a lot of wisdom in different areas that they can share with us. Now, maybe we shouldn't read about how to do a Google search from a a medieval philosopher, but about human nature and what it means to live life well and a good, true, and beautiful life, there's a lot we can learn across generations. And so we want to be a class and a generation who says, you know what, there's a lot we can
2: learn from people who are older than us. Yeah, this quote you see there in the bottom, Eugene Peterson, he described discipleship, this great line, I hope it sticks with you, discipleship as a long obedience in the same direction, a long obedience in the same direction, which is really beautiful. Imagery And and probably as you were discussing (coughs) amongst much yourselves, you were talking about these people who formed (coughs) you, you might apply that phrase to them, right? They were somebody who exemplified a long obedience in the same direction. This is on my mind this morning. Uh, Lindsay's in Dallas to be with her grandmother who passed away this morning. She got there this weekend and um, got to spend some special time with her. And her grandmother just really exemplified this long obedience in the same direction. She, um, you know how in the old Church of Christ bulletins, the preacher would like write a little um, blurb about something he was thinking about that week, and you know what the Bible says about that. And she has kept those her whole life, and so I'll go to see them, visit her house, and she'll hand me a bulletin from 1970s. Say, Eric, you really need to read this, right? So she like has them all cataloged in her mind. And when Lindsay's dad had his accident, her her mom, who who's in a wheelchair herself, couldn't do much said, my job is to pray, and she prayed all day, every day for her son. She really exemplified this long obedience in the same direction. David, talk to us, sorry, let's go back. Talk to us about wisdom a little bit.
1: Okay, yeah, so let's, this idea about wisdom, um, we are obsessed in our culture, in our generation, with information. Who knows the most facts? And so I, I think really truth is kind of in three levels. One would be facts. So these are, how far is the moon from the earth? Or you may you may run into somebody like this who arrogantly is like reciting facts as if that means you're somehow a better person. The second level above facts is knowledge. So how do these facts fit together? So you think in like your professional life, knowledge is important. How does um, knowing, you know, maybe for Kyle who's an orthodontist, knowing what the names of the teeth are and how they're supposed to sit in your mouth, how those fit together would be, you know, form a treatment plan. So how, how facts fit together, that's knowledge. But really the highest level of understanding is what the Bible calls wisdom. The ability to live life well. And it's not always the case, but usually wisdom takes birthdays. And so we need to have birthdays. We need to experience making mistakes in order to become wise. And so we want to be people who gain wisdom, both from knowledge, from books and things we've read, but also from experience. And so we want to learn from people from different generations than us, what works and what doesn't work. And we hope to learn it, by being able to not make the mistakes that you did or didn't make. So teach us how to not do the
2: things that you wish you hadn't done. So let's do another discussion question. Okay, so, and we have, like, we changed up the language a little bit in this because we have a hard time referring to, like, younger and older, and those, I know those words maybe are a little bit charged. But okay, here's our next discussion question, that aside. Um, this law obedience in the same direction, the wisdom he was describing. How have you seen that modeled in someone older than you within the body of Christ? No, i want to skip that question. Sorry, we decided we are going to skip. This is a question I want to ask. We're running out of time. What did you most long to know, as we think about wisdom, as a young person from older believers? Or as a young person now? What do you wish you could receive guidance in now? What did you most long to know? What do you wish you had known as, a, as a young person? Or what do you wish you could receive guidance in now? Let's talk about this for a minute or two, maybe two minutes. Three minutes. Okay, three, four. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. Just start
1: talking.
2: Jump back in. Jump I think so.
1: All right, good. Okay, so the next thing I want to talk about briefly, again, because I think the best part of this is you guys talking to each other. But I just want to talk about briefly why we, as members of the Bridge Builders class, need members of the Hope class as part of our lives. So why do we need you as part of our lives? And I'd say a a couple of things. The first is that our generation is struggling spiritually. So I just want to share a, a couple of statistics with you. 59% of young adults with a Christian background report that they have or had, for a brief period of time, dropped out of attending church after going regularly. 23% of young adults are discouraged with the church, saying that the Bible is not taught clearly or often enough. 57% say they are less active in church today compared to when they were 15. And 38% say they've gone through a period where they doubted their faith. So our generation, I mean, it's not totally unique to our generation, but it is an issue that we should think through is spiritually uh, young people are not thriving in our culture. And so one of the solutions to that is to create relationships with people from generations who are spiritually thriving. So we have much to learn from the wisdom of walking with Christ for, for decades and what that looks like in your jobs, in your marriages, in your relationships, in your neighborhood? What does it look like to be faithful when life is more complicated? Because life in your early 30s is a lot more complicated than going to the youth group when you're 15 or 16 years old, right? And we've never done this before. So we need uh, mentorship and and, and you to have the boldness to come walk alongside us and say, hey, I want to help you. Follow Christ in your 30s, because I remember what it was like, and this is what was hard for me, and this is what worked, and this is why I was able to remain faithful. second thing I would say is our marriages are at risk. I don't have a long list of statistics about this, but the numbers look the same. You've heard the stats. You know, 50% of marriages uh, from Christian families end in divorce. Um, yeah, we can kind of quabble with what it means to be a, a Christian marriage or not, but the truth is marriages are struggling, and, and our generation is no different, and so we need people who have been married for 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years to say, you know what, it wasn't easy every day for us either. Here's how we were faithful in, in those, on those hard, hard days. And the third thing I'd say is we've never raised kids before, right? So if, if we believe that every generation of these barbarians invade our society, well, I've never tamed a barbarian and taught them how to be a, a, a citizen, much less a disciple. So I'd love some advice on, on how to do that. So I think those are three ways that not just not just we like or be helpful, but we really need members of the Hope class to come and be in a relationship with uh, members of the Bridge Builders class. So that being said, let's have a, a discussion question here. Maybe some older Christian uh, at the table or in the horseshoe circle could share a parenting, marriage, victory, or sorrow. So, what's something that happened as a parent or in your marriage in your life that you were just like, grand slam? This this event, this decision, really led to victory later on in my spiritual life. Or what's something that that really didn't work? And 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 you know, young Christian, you shouldn't do this because this. Uh, led, led to pain and suffering in my spiritual life later on. And then, what have you learned from those experiences that you'd be willing to share? So, this question is a little more open, a little more personal, so don't feel like you have to share if you don't feel comfortable. But maybe if, if somebody in the group would be willing to kind of open up and share a, a little more personal story. About five minutes.
2: No, about two minutes,
1: probably. <laughs> <laughs> so, just open up your whole heart, whole story, you yeah. got 140 seconds. <laughs>
2: Okay. All right. Let's let's wrap up and let's um, let's finish strong here. The next three minutes or so. <laughs> let's finish strong here. So, what are we? Uh, what younger Christians want from older Christians but are afraid to ask. So here's, uh, as David and I have thought through this, here's, here's five things that we want but maybe are afraid to ask for, so we'll ask for it today. Theological leadership. He's got this great quote from David Kim, and I am going to read I think we've got time. The rising generation should be treated as a generation with God-given destiny. Renewed commitment is required to rethink and realign disciple-making. Oh, we got it. In this new context, Mosaic, that's young people. Believers need better, deeper relationships with other adult Christians. They require a more holistic understanding of their vocation and calling in life, how their faith influences what they do in their lives from Monday through Saturday. And they also need help discerning Jesus leading in their life, including some greater commitment to knowing and living the truth of Scripture. Some churches seem to be taking the opposite corrective action by using all means possible to make their congregation appeal to teens and young adults. However, putting the focus squarely on youth and young adults causes the church to exclude older believers and builds the church on the preferences of young people and not the pursuit of God, which is a great quote. So what we long for from our older brothers and sisters is theological leadership. Two, what we long for is what we might call generational generosity. i put it like this. This is a paraphrase of James K.A. Smith. You know, you think about those who have been endowed with this gift of theological leadership through their collective wisdom gained by time, time in Scripture, time lived, time in church, also those with the most spiritual maturity among mm-hmm. us, and frankly, those with the financial means, how will they endow the church to thrive into future generations? And I think it's a great question to think about. Uh, one author I read put it like this, and I guess this was Smith, and I'm kind of tweaking his language, but he said, Will they serve, genera- serve churches, sorry, that will only last a generation, their generation, or will they prop up those churches and trust for what he calls traditioned innovation into the future? Which means we don't jettison the things that made us, the traditions we hold dear, but how do we, how do we use those to, to locate and center the body of Christ, moving into new generations into the truth of the gospel? You know, how do we help young people do that? How do you prop up the church to thrive into the future we're seeking mentorship and so um, you know what I, what i would encourage you david and i would like to encourage you especially you believers who are older than me today is to invite somebody in your group to lunch okay uh, invite them over to your house for dinner you don't have to say i'd like to be your mentor um <laughs> Just say, I'd like to form a relationship with you, and we'll know you want to be our mentor, right? Um, we're longing for that. As David shared, we're longing for people who have more wisdom than we do to pour into us. We're longing for wise counsel. I met with a, uh, a mother here at Highland who's a generation above mine who's, who's really contemplating a pretty dramatic job transition. So I listened to her. I, I prayed with her, tried to listen to the Spirit on her behalf, and finally I said, you know what, you should go talk to Beverly Ralston. Because there's nobody at Highland that prays more than Beverly Ralston. There's probably nobody as wise as Beverly. And she said, you know what, I'm going to do that. <coughs> and she started meeting with Beverly Ralston. And and um, she came back and reported to me. And basically what she said to me was, what Beverly told me was so much better than what you told me. <laughs> and, and so we long for that. We long for wise counsel uh, and honest advice, which I think goes along with wise counsel. And so here's questions to think about. We're not gonna discuss these, we don't have time. I'm gonna dismiss you with these questions. What can be done at Highland to inspire relationships where younger Christians are being mentored and discipled by older Christians? And what's one thing that you can do to pursue those types of relationships to help Highland be that place? Okay, what we hope is that you'll stay for a few minutes, talk to each other, get to know each other better, maybe make lunch plans after this if you're not going to late service. Thanks again for being here. Let me pray to close this out. Holy God, you're a good, loving, and gracious God. We're thankful to be your people. We're thankful to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ today. May you form and deepen and plant and and grow beautiful relationships out of this time together this morning. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, see you next week.
0: Okay, that's it for this morning. Obviously, a class like this, as I said in the intro, not always ideal to podcast. We had people, you know, two people teaching, going back and forth, so there was no microphone, which is sort of a condenser mic out there. But I think you can get an idea of the main gist of what we're trying to say this morning uh, with the lesson on generational Christianity. I really look forward to next week. We'll have Dr. Alan Black and Jay Shapley, the teachers of the Hope class. Be bringing a message to us along similar lines but the opposite and so instead of the older teaching the younger it will be the younger teaching the older um, that will be the the content of the lesson um, I assume there will be some discussion as well and so we'll do our best to podcast it it's always a little difficult and then a little bit awkward to have to run back and forth to pause and play and but we think it's re- relevant and valuable to anyone out there that's trying to listen to this um, of course our desire is that Highland is a place that Continues to uh, stay committed to the gospel and the core doctrines of the church and of the Christian church. Um, one that doesn't see the young or the old as as enemies, but rather as you know, family members, um, so members of the same body. And I think just like anything else, I think in the lack of relationship and communication, it's very easy to assume things about other people. And that's true of you know, if you had your neighbor growing up that your family didn't like. Um, Typically that was just because you didn't know them. Now sometimes it was because you did know them. <laughs> um, but it's certainly easy to make assumptions of those that we don't know. And uh, so I think it's, it's healthy to foster these relationships and hopefully that has started today and will continue on in, in the years to come. Um, thanks to the HOPE class uh, for, for being willing to do this and to come in together. And thanks to the Bridge Builders class for the same. Again, we'll be back next week with another lesson on generational Christianity, and then the third week we'll do a panel discussion. So, if you're listening to this, please reach out to me, Kyle Fagel, if you have any questions that you you have, and then maybe you're um, someone from the Hope class you want to know. Well, you know, what do you guys think about this, or what are your greatest fears of uh, becoming grandparents, or you know, if you're a Bridge Builders member. Um, What have you best learned um, about parenting from being a grandparent? Or what do you most regret from your 30s and 40s? Or how did you deal with faith struggles? Questions like that. Those are the sort of questions we'll have for our panel. Those might actually be some of the questions uh, exactly. Um, But we'll do our best also to podcast that. That's gonna be a little bit tougher, I'm afraid, but we'll do our best to do something, maybe not the best audio quality, but something that you can listen to that you can glean something from. That's all we'll have for this week. As always, thanks for tuning in to the Highland Bridge Builders podcast. I've been your host, Kyle fagala We'll be back together next week. Have a blessed one. We'll see you then. Thank you. Bye-bye.